how would you like to know how the future is going to unfold? As entrepreneurs, what we want to do is make a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs says. We want to deliver tremendous value to people we're passionate about serving. Well, the challenge is we live in such uncertain times. How can we make smart decisions to create tremendous value and do well by doing it? I'm John Bowen. We are at AESNation.com, all about accelerating your success. And I have a remarkable individual, a remarkable fellow entrepreneur who's joining us today. And Dan Burris, uh, I, I want to read. I don't normally read uh, bios, but I, it's just there's so much stuff here. And, uh, you know, Dan is considered one of the leading technology forecasters and innovative experts. And I mean, this is an area where I have a great passion because I've learned so much. Uh, he's CEO of his research firm. It's a research and consulting firm that monitors global advances in technology, driving trends to help clients profit from technology. And the clients, we're talking about you, you know, profiting from technology, social business forces that are converging to create enormous untapped opportunities, huge leverageable opportunities. You know, over the last 30 years, he's established a worldwide reputation for exceptional uh, records of accurately predicting the future of technology change and its direct impact to the business world. I want you to just take a thought for a moment. If you had known 30 years ago where we are today, what difference would that have made in your business? I mean, I know in mine, it's, it would have been huge. I want you to have it. He's a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies. He's helping them you know, with game-changing strategies based on proven methodology for capitalizing on technology, innovation, and their impact in the future. His methodology for separating hard trends from soft trends has changed how many of the largest global firms are planning their future. And we're going to go over that today, so you're going to have that opportunity as well. His client's list is you know, extremely impressive. It's GE, Lockheed, Martin, IBM, American Express, Google, on and on and on and on. He's the author of six books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Flash Foresight, uh, as well as some a highly acclaimed uh, techno trends. I mean, he, he's prolific as a writer. He's got over a million. One of the things, you know, just it's the, it's so important to create great content as we're out there, but not only have great content, but also attract. Well, he's proven. He's over a million weekly readers on innovation, change in the future. He's been uh, uh, featured subject to several PBS specials and is quoted in you know, Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Fortune, and Forbes. And you know, the thing that I respect the most is he's an extremely good entrepreneur. He's, you know, it's one thing to share information, it's another to put it in action. And he's founded and managed six businesses, three of which were national leaders in the US in the first year. And this is something every entrepreneur in the world will appreciate. Five out of six were profitable in their first year. Okay, knowing where the future is going gives you an unfair competitive advantage. Stay tuned. We want you to have that. No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself soar. 
beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. Dan, I am so excited to have you here with us. Uh, the, you know, the opportunity, I, the only regret I have in meeting you is that I didn't meet you 30 years ago. <laughs> type thing. And, and just the work you're doing on the future. So first of all, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. You know, it's, it's so much fun to have a fellow entrepreneur who I, I love, you know, co a combination of scientists. I want to get your background, but then execution. And, and that's such a rare thing. And, and, and it's to have the success at both levels that you've had. Tell me how you got so interested in innovation, technology, the future. Well, actually, I started out teaching biology and physics, and uh, not a lot of people know this. It's such ancient history, but I was actually the first undergraduate to direct a federal research grant. I did that my sophomore year in college, so I was kind of a, a uh, science guy, but at the same time, I put myself through college playing lead guitar in a rock band, so I had another wild side as well. But anyway, uh, I was teaching, and uh, I had an idea for an airplane design, and uh, built it, test flew it, and ended up with 37 national locations in the first year. Obviously, liked making money, left teaching. Started a number of other companies uh, at the same time that were doing well, but I missed teaching. So 32 years ago, I started Burroughs Research, which allows me to write books and articles and consult and teach, and yet uh, be an entrepreneur at the same time. And uh, it's uh, been a very nice ride. And the reason for the future focus uh, and tying, obviously you can see why technology is tied to it, my passion of science and technology, and that is we're going to spend the rest of our life in the future. Uh, maybe we should think about it. So with that knowledge, I decided, uh, is it all up for grabs? Is it just all unknown? Um, how does that work? And uh, started doing some research on that and came up with some good stuff. No, uh, I, I would call it more than good stuff, but let's get into some of the good stuff here. As, as fellow entrepreneurs, you know, everyone, whether they're on the video podcast or, or on the, uh, the audio, they want to really understand how you deal with uncertainty. I mean, you know, technology, uh, I, I live in Silicon Valley. You're, uh, I think you're down in San Diego and, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many pockets of so much innovation around the world. And as entrepreneurs, you know, trying to stay up on top of this and all the uncertainty with what's going on in the world, how do we deal with that? Well, uh, in a world filled with uncertainty, and there sure, certainly is a lot of it, uh, I have to ask myself, am I certain of nothing? Uh, they say death and taxes is the only certainty, which is, of course, wrong. I remember uh, years ago, before they went bankrupt, I met the CEO and uh, chairman of General Motors, Rick Wagner. And when we met, he said to me what all of us think in the back of our mind, because he knew I was a forecaster, a futurist kind of guy. He said, well, of course, no one can predict the future and be right. And I responded by saying, well, let's see, it's winter, next will be spring. Hey, I think I'll be right. <laughs> and of course, what I was sharing with him is there's a science of cycles. There's over 300 known cycles, business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles, sales cycles. Matter of fact, if there's a sales cycle, I like to have the sale completed before the cycle begins, but that's just me. Anyway, economists, to make this short, economists, they are trained in the study of cycles. That's how they make their predictions. But everyone listening to this knows that economists have been increasingly wrong lately. And the reason is there's another kind of change. It is not cyclical. It's a one-way change. And uh, think of it as a linear one-way change. 
Uh, and I'm not talking about now a progression, but rather one way. Meaning, when once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to the dumb phone. It's not a cycle. Uh, you know, baby boomers are not getting younger. They're going to continue to get older. That's a one-way path. Uh, and the iPhone uh, 8 will uh, have a faster processing chip than the 7654, and will and the cloud is not getting full. Uh, another word, and after 3G and 4G, that's not it. Instead, oh, we'll have 5G followed by 6G, in a predictable trajectory, by the way. So my point is, in a world of uncertainty, once I start understanding what I call the science of certainty, you have something powerful as an entrepreneur because strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. On the other hand, strategy, both personal and business, based on certainty has low risk. One last comment, and then I'll let you go with another one, and that is keeping up is a fool's game. What's the advantage of keeping up? I, I don't know. I haven't heard one yet. Uh, but how can you jump ahead with low risk? And the answer is, with certainty, you can jump ahead with low risk and find high reward. Yeah, no, it, this is so big. I mean, I think of, I grew up in upstate New York and watching the things going on like with Kodak or IBM and the transformations and some making the transformation and some, you know, with certainty knowing the direction because they actually invented the first digital camera, for example, Kodak, but filing bankruptcy. We, you know, I can see that trend and, and that's so powerful. You know, you, you talked about trends and hard and soft. You know, help us, uh, you know, Dan, really think through what that is, because that's not clear to me. Yeah, very good. Um, well, this is based, again, on 30 years of research, and it's not new. It's, it's already changed how companies plan, as you mentioned in the beginning. And that is there are two types of trends. I call them hard trends and soft trends. Hard trends will happen. Guaranteed. Don't like them? Too bad disrupt your business? Sorry. Soft trends might happen. And by the way, soft trends are very powerful because they can be changed. Hard trends, they cannot be changed. So it's good to have a way to separate those two. In the present, they both look valid. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, decades ago, Elvis Presley died. And in the 10 years after Elvis's death, there was an increasing number of professional Elvis impersonators. By the way, how do you get stats on that? Uh, IRS forms. What do you do for a living? Elvis impersonator. <laughs> so the statistic was going like this. Very, very up for 10 years. More and more and more every year. So I remember way back then just saying, just for fun, let's put that into the future. It's hard numbers and see what we get. And it showed that by the year 2000, one in three Americans would be professional Elvis impersonators. Obviously a soft trend. Um, so... Uh, do businesses base things on soft trends? And of course, yes. You mentioned Kodak and Polaroid. Um, did someone say years ago, hey, don't tell those guys about digital technology? No, it was there to see. Here's the problem. They treated it as a soft trend. Oops, that was a hard trend. Good to know the difference. Hard trends, on the other hand, will happen, guaranteed. Um, once again, uh, when I was launching one of my books, uh, another book that I, I really enjoyed was Technotrends, launching that one back in 93. That was two years before Amazon, two years before Yahoo. I was speaking to the American Booksellers Association, 10,000 bookstore owners in the audience. You can still get the audio tape of that. That was how they did it back then. Mm -hmm. And you can hear me say, in two years, there'll be a virtual bookstore. And I described what became Amazon. Now... Obviously, I couldn't tell you what they would call it. Soft trend. I don't know what they're going to call it. 
I didn't know who would do it. I don't know who's going to do it, but I know the technology's there to do it. And here's another principle for entrepreneurs. It's important one. If it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. And even in that speech, you can hear me say, Barnes & Noble, any, I've got 10,000 bookstore owners. My guess is you won't do it. You're going to be too busy. It'll take someone from the outside. And of course, we all know that time frame was accurate. Just like 10 years before Siri was introduced, I said we would have Siri in 10 years. By the way, in that 93 book, Technotrends, I was talking about smartphones and social media with accurate time frames. My point is, I'm not the only guy that can do this. You can too, if you understand the principles of separating the hard from the soft. I had not heard that before, Dan, other than you saying it that way. And it's just, that's such an important concept for fellow entrepreneurs because you know, it's easy to, you know, think of things linear or, you know, some of the technology exponentially and get misled and led in a soft trend, but also totally ignore the hard trend that's going to be so disruptive to your business and you have a choice. You can disrupt your business or you can let someone else do that. And, and a good, good point on that to just tag on because I think it's really good. I was just uh, talking to uh, top uh, accounting and uh, CPAE firms and a big audience, and um, they bill by the hour. Of course, technology is letting us do things in a lot less time. Mm -hmm. The hard trend is they're going to exponentially uh, be able to do more in less time, which means their billable hours is going where? Well, down. Now. The, the hard trend is you'll be able to do more in less time. We're going to be doing uh, real-time accounting, real-time real -time auditing. Uh, so here's the soft trend. Will you do anything about it? I don't know. It's going to happen anyway. See what I mean? And by the way, you could change that or not. That's up to you. No, it's, so, it, it is so amazing. Uh, yesterday I had a demo from IBM Watson on what they're doing in the wealth management space and how and, and I had seen previously the healthcare applications and exactly what you're saying, Dan, is you know, you're gonna have these tools, you know, for high level consultants, professional services to be able to do so much more more quickly with these tools. I you know, what's the business model? You've got to be thinking about this because it's changing the total landscape. Right. Well and let's uh... Uh, we're really talking about a missing competency. I think I should bring that up right now. It's a, it's a really important concept I want to share with your group. And that is where, if you think of the key competencies for success, uh, we're all good at reacting and responding, putting out fires, crisis management, and it's amazing how much time everyone, even at the highest levels, even entrepreneurs spend doing that. Reacting, responding, putting out fires, et cetera. Secondly, we're good at agility. The best are good at agility. Hewlett Packard just divided in half, and the CEO said the main reason is to be more agile. By the way, that won't help. The reason it won't help is agility is related to reacting and responding. And we've all gotten Six Sigma. We're good at being lean. Heck, I was with Motorola helping coming up with Six Sigma back in the late 80s. So being able to be uh, very lean and zero defects, yeah, we're all good at that if you're at your best. And the very best companies know how to execute a strategy very well. Yet none of those competencies help Sony, Dell, Microsoft, um, Hewlett Packard, uh, Blockbuster, BlackBerry, and a host of others. So what's the missing competency? 
and I've defined it as anticipation, the ability to anticipate the future. Uh, and anticipate what, John? And that is anticipate problems before they happen, so you can pre-solve them. Anticipate disruptions before they disrupt, because every disruption that's hit over the last 30 years was there to see. You just need the tools to make them visible. And uh, as well as game-changing opportunities before the competition. So really, this whole idea of certainty, hard trends, soft trends, is part of uh, what I'm, I've been defining, and I think I mentioned to you before we got online here, my uh, accelerated learning system is around what I call the anticipatory organization, which is, I believe, the biggest missing competency. No, I mean, it's, and it, to the extent we can anticipate, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, Dan, because you you've just done such a great job in the past, and we're going to do it in the future, and we've got to bring our fellow entrepreneurs along for the ride. One of the concepts you have that you've been one of the earlier proponents of is this failing fast. You know, how, do, how do you see that for entrepreneurs? Well, you know, when I started my first uh, business, and that again was in experimental aircraft, I was leaving teaching biology and physics of being a science guy, which means I didn't know anything about business. So I had a couple of things that I used to help me get that launched fast with 37 national locations in the first year. Number one, on purpose, I didn't compete because I knew I was an academic. I didn't know how to compete. So one way to do that was to skip that problem and look at what the competition was doing and make sure I wasn't doing that. Uh, see what they were doing and do something else. Uh, secondly, I realized I didn't have a big budget. So I needed to fail fast because failing slow is very expensive. You mentioned Kodak. They took over a decade to fail. Uh, you know, Blockbuster's been failing for a long time before they close their last store. Hey, I don't want to fail fast. I mean, uh, slow. I want to fail fast. By the way, little comment on that failing fast. Very important. Your biggest lessons, John, and every entrepreneur out there, your biggest life lessons did not come from your successes. It came from your failures. Well, how can you learn faster? Fail faster. Uh, no, so it's, it, it is so powerful because, I mean, with today's technology and the markets, and the, it's not that expensive to test things, and the market will give us feedback very quickly. Hey, how many people have you hired over the years and you knew there was a failure, but you kept them on for months or years before you finally uh, failed and let them go? Look, uh, here's the point. Do you have metrics for success and to measure your success? As an entrepreneur, do you have metrics to measure failure so that you know which direction you're heading so you can fail fast? Very important thing you should be doing. Another thing that uh, helped me, you just mentioned in the beginning very quickly, uh, you know, failing fast, not competing, um, and I think it was also using technology and hard trends, using certainty so that I could have low-risk success. No, that's, that's great. You, know, you have another concept, too, Dan, that you talk about, which you call it skipping. Explain to our fellow entrepreneurs what you're doing there. Well, I don't want to take forever to get to success. Uh, so what I do is what I call problem skipping, uh, and it uh, helps tremendously. Uh, for example, um, <clears throat> uh, I was just watching the History Channel the other night, and they had a thing on World War II in the Pacific. And uh, the initial plan was to recapture all of the hundreds of islands occupied by the Japanese on the way from Hawaii to Japan. Until someone said, well, why don't we just skip that and go straight to Japan and leave the other ones occupied? Uh, that's an excellent example of skip it. 
Uh, a more recent example is Tesla. Uh, they have a problem, and that is that how are you going to fill, how are you going to recharge a Tesla faster than, or even at the same speed, is filling a tank of gas? And, of course, the way to skip the problem is, well, just change the batteries. We can do a rapid change of the battery and actually beat the car, which Tesla has just started to implement. See, that's a skip it principle. So what I do is I look at, here is my plan for success. Here I am going from here to here. Here's success. It's going to take this amount of time to get there, right? You know what I want to do? I want to skip this part. So success is here instead of here. So how can I skip my own plan? and get there faster. One other element on problem skipping is really good, and that is um, most, if not all, of your problem that's in front of you right now, no matter how big it is, is the wrong one. You're working on the wrong one. Hey, you're smart. You would have solved it by now. The key is to peel the onion back and find the real problem. Uh, a very quick uh, minute and a half example might be Years ago, I was meeting with the executives of Eli Lilly, big drug company, and I set them up already with a question you already know was a setup. I said to the CEO, what's your biggest problem? Because I already knew whatever he would say, that wasn't it. Hey, he's the CEO. He would have solved it by now. They're smart. They have PhDs. So he said, well, our biggest problem is we've got to hire about 2,000 additional PhD researchers, but we don't have the budget. And whenever I hear money is the problem, I know that's not the problem. So I said, well, why do you need all those, uh, all those guys? And he said, well, you see, we're a drug company, and our stock price is in direct proportion to how many new drugs we have in the pipeline. To get new drugs in the pipeline, we've got to solve molecular problems. To solve molecular problems, we need researchers. Our pipeline is real low. Our price is down. We've got to hire at least 2,000 guys to get that beefed up. Our problem is our price is down. We don't have a budget. So then I said, well, good, let's skip that. Why don't you take all your molecular problems, post them on the internet in a dozen languages, and say we pay for solutions? Well, that was uh, in the early 2000s that that happened. It was so successful that uh, now other companies have copied that uh, technique. The point is, was his problem hiring 2,000 PhDs? No. Once you skip the problem, you can get to the real problem. So I use problem skipping to accelerate success. Uh, the things we've talked about, I'm going to do a quick plug here are all covered in uh, my book, Flash Foresight. And uh, so, you know, I'd love well, it. Let me do the next segment, Check which is, yeah, I want to go to that. It's the book of the day. And uh, Dan, you know, one of the things, let me put up on screen uh, Amazon, your book. And uh, it is, uh, you know, a great book. And I, I'd love you to share, you know, because I don't think there's any way Anyone that's an entrepreneur listening to us isn't excited about your message. I mean, it's, it, it is a very powerful one. I mean, you know, I mean, how could you as an entrepreneur not care about the future? I mean, you know, unless you're closing your sale of the business, and even then, you're probably still very concerned about the rest, you know, just life, how to have a great quality of life. You know, your book, you, you lay out principles going step by step how to actually, you know, take these concepts that we've been doing and be successful with them and maybe just share kind of the high level of the book because I think this is invaluable for our fellow entrepreneurs. Yes, and I'm also very happy with the fact that uh, companies like the IBMs and the Deloitte's and so on have made it a required reading, which is great. So the reason is it's really an innovation book, which is what entrepreneurs are all about. And it's a planning book, which is what we need to be doing. So let's look at the subtitle for a second. How to see the invisible and do the impossible. 
Well, what does that mean? Well, we do impossible things all the time. We're doing something right now, thanks to bandwidth storage and processing power, that would have been impossible 10 years ago, and that is an interview like we're having. Um, these glasses were impossible at one point in human history. So how do humans do impossible things? And that is, the moment an invisible uh, solution to a seemingly impossible problem becomes visible, the minute an invisible opportunity becomes visible, you get a flash of foresight allowing you to move forward in a way that you could have not done in the past. So I have seven principles in the book that, tri that trigger these, uh, makes the invisible visible, triggering these flashes of foresight allowing you to go forward. One we've talked about is certainty, is a great way to uh, make invisible opportunities visible. Um, skipping it is another example. Um, and there are a number of others, like uh, I'll give you another quick one the law of opposites. Um, for example, how could I start a shoe company that would be a billion dollar shoe company in a short amount of time, given the fact that there are so many beautiful Italian shoes in New York that are expensive, how could I do that? And the answer is, why don't you do the opposite and make them ugly and plastic? Crocs did quite well. So opposites work better. So I have, again, these seven principles that will drive your and help you to apply innovation rather than just saying, look, come up with an innovative idea. Be creative. Yeah, but how? All right, well, what I've done is given you some ways to do that. Yeah, no, what I love, Dan, is that you know, most of us aren't great at you know, trying to start with a clean sheet of paper, and you've provided the framework to make it very easy to really think through both where our business is and what's going on and how we should kind of redefine it. So it's really powerful. I'm going to encourage everybody to pick up the book as well. And remember at AESNation.com, we will have uh, all the, the transcript, the show links, uh, the show notes, and so on for you. Okay, let's go to the next segment. This is the application of the day. And, you know, you, you uh, like technology. I, I like to, I mean, I look at technology as a great tool. In your smartphone, what type of tools would you recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs? Well, you know, I actually started an apps business a few years ago, and that allows me to create some apps that I use just for myself even, although I have done quite well with the apps I've sold. I was actually the first guy to come up with a national real estate app, uh, which I've since uh, licensed to uh, the companies that you know well probably. But... Um, my most valuable app on my phone, believe it or not, is my calendar. And let me tell you why, because I'm doing a lot of things. I mean, I'm uh, uh, publishing a couple of blogs a week on LinkedIn. That's, I think, why I have six, 650,000 followers. And, you know, with all of the work that I'm doing and the consulting and the speaking and all of the stuff, I'm not going to get anything done, as well as have a life as well as exercise, as well as enjoy my hobbies and have balance if I don't have it worked out. So the calendar has proven to me to be my most valuable tool. And when I talk to entrepreneurs that are not doing well, I'm going to tell you why right now. It's because they're so busy. Look, were the top five executives of General Motors really busy every day for the two years before they went bankrupt? Well, yeah, didn't help them. They're not going to help you either. So you can just get real busy. But with that calendar, you can elevate what you do. 
And one other little thing I'm going to give you a tip on. Uh, you weren't going to ask me this, but, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. And uh, let me just give this because it's good well, the, the, the lessons have been very good, Dan, so go ahead. All right, let me give you another one that uh, maybe is, it might seem off track, but it's not. Because now I'm going to talk about your future as well as your business's future. Uh, we all have multiple talents. You do. I know you do. And so do the listeners. And our talents are fun to use. We can make a, make a lot of money using our talents. Uh, but with a talent, you can only get so far, only so good, because there's other talented people. And then you kind of start plateauing. But you also have something that's very unique to you. It's called a gift. You all have one. But your talents actually can keep you from using or discovering your gift. They're very seductive. The, the, but if you're in your gift zone, you can go to an endless up. You can be 80 and get better at 82. In the talent zone, you probably won't be anymore. So instead of having the talents and chasing those, and again, they're fun, they're seductive, we can make money on that. Um, if we can define what our gift is and then direct the talents to support the gift, that is how you personally soar, and that's how your business will soar. Uh, so uh, one thing that has helped me is to make sure that in my calendar, I can look and see, all right, so how much of it is filled with talents and how much of it is filled with gifts? Because there are other talented people, even though I might have fun doing that, I can't allow myself to do that. i got to stay in the gift zone. No, and, and Dan, that's one of the things I actually do each week. I kind of review my calendar to just... Because it's so easy to go and get in that talent zone because it's kind of fun and you're good at it. And But there's a lot of good, talented people out there. It's what's that unique gift, unique ability that you have that's going to really, you know, instead of be the $10 an hour, $100 an hour, $1,000 hour, maybe that $10,000 an hour, $100,000 an hour or more for some of the entrepreneurs here. That, that's just so important. It also, uh, you know, another thing uh, that tags to that very quickly is uh, I, um, I know we all think big. I know all of us think big and it, as entrepreneurs. I know you think big, but let me give you another thing that's helped me, and that is, and I've understood this more as I've gotten older and reflected back, and that is uh, when you think big, realize that your big thought is actually a small thought. Uh, it's not as big as you thought. So... Uh, Think, uh, think big and realize then you just thought small. So I come up with the big thought, and I never do that. I always skip that one and come up with what's the bigger big. So I'm always looking for the bigger big before I take action rather than the big because we can get seduced by the big, do the big, and do pretty good. But if we go for the bigger big, then, whoa, all of a sudden we accept. Well, and some of the times the bigger big is easier than you know, that incremental big that we're thinking about because it makes us think the thing out almost always is amazingly enough well no this is great let me go to our sources and dan what i'd like to do is pull i'm gonna pull up your website you got some great resources i mean you share you know all kinds of information you are prolific and uh you know just i mean a tremendous resource um for fellow entrepreneurs um on your website what what should they do well, um, uh, first of all, uh, probably in about another three weeks, I've got a major new website coming up, and I think you'll want to check back uh, again, uh, maybe the end of the month or so. But uh, you can find on their blogs, and again, I've got uh, millions of blog readers. Um, if you go to Daniel Burris on any of the social media sites, uh, like, for example, uh, in my uh, YouTube or Twitter, uh, I think I've 
not uh, long ago was called one of the top 20 business guys to follow on Twitter. Uh, and again, I'm in the top 30 globally on LinkedIn. Check those out. I mean, that doesn't cost you anything. I'm not even selling you something here. I'm just giving it to you. Uh, so there's some free resources, and I think you'll find uh, I've got a free as well as a subscription paid newsletter on the website. And one of the things I really like about a newsletter, even better than a book in some ways, is that uh, a book, you, you write it and then it's done. A uh, newsletter is constantly evolving, changing, and there's new things in there all the time. So I'm a both-and kind of guy. I like to have, you know, both. So uh, check those resources out, and uh, you'll find some other ones in there as well. I don't want to bore you guys with that right now. No, it's a, it is a huge resource. So I'm going to encourage everybody to check it out. Let me go to my key takeaways here and kind of wrap up. Yeah, when I look at it, I've got all kinds of notes. I've got papers all over the place. I'm going to encourage everybody to go to this transcript and go through and in the show notes make sure you sign up for the newsletter spend a little money on the book then uh the premium newsletters i mean there's so much value here because if we can deal with the uncertainty of life and make it more certain wow uh and there's so many certain things and we talked about the hard and soft trends and 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 i've never heard anybody say it that way and it's so easy to get tricked into the trends we want to think through that that failing fast and not competing with others, uh, going ahead and skipping. I mean, this is, you know, this is kind of brilliant. And it's, it's like the thinking big enough, you know, why not just skip some of the steps? Think big, think of the exponential growth opportunities you have rather than that little incremental because we, we miss so much if we, we go, okay, if we're going to be disruptive to our own business to grow exponentially, it opens it up. And, and lastly, you know, remember that uh, the problem that you have, as big a problem as it seems right now, probably isn't the real problem. Use the thoughtfulness of the book, the resources that Dan had, has to help you make smart decisions about your business. Your clients and all those future clients that are counting on you, don't let them down. Thank you again, Dan. Best of success. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Exceptional, remarkable breakthrough. AESNation.com.